Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove Supermodified Podcast. This is episode 138. My name is Tom Baker. I'm the host of the show. It's great to be back with you again. We had a week off. Uh, we I went to the um, PRI show out in Indianapolis. For those who don't know what that is, it's the Performance Racing Industry Trade Show. It's the largest trade show for motorsports, I believe, anywhere in the world, and um, certainly in the in in the U.S. Uh, happens every year out there, and it brings together. This is not a fan show per se. Um, this is an industry show, and so it brings together a wide swath of just about anything you can think of related to the motorsports industry. It's a show where a lot of uh, new products are displayed for the first time. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, seminars going on. They had e-cart racing this year in Lucas Oil Stadium, which was kind of fun to watch. Um, and... Uh, all kinds of things. Announcements are made from the show. It's, you know, again, everything that you would expect, you know, the top trade show in the in an industry to be. Um, and it's, it, you know, in terms of, you know, people go there looking for sponsorships and such, and it's it's kind of speed dating. You know, you don't get a lot of time with anybody because there's just too many people. I mean, it's literally tens of thousands. Um, but uh, it's a great opportunity, obviously, if you're in the industry to, you know, to be a part of it and to meet people in a network and build relationships. That's really what it's about. And so it was out there for a bit. And we'll talk a little bit about that in more detail later in the show. Um I want to just uh, let you know what's uh, who our special guest is this week. Uh, Dave Danzer back with us. We've got the winner of uh, the Vegas race, the Open Wheel Showdown Super Modified race. David Danzer's with us. And um, just, again, another very insightful and thoughtful interview with Dave. I, I really have been so impressed with, with Dave um, and the information that he's so forthcoming with and his opinions and his ideas and, and, you know, sharing some of the, you know, the thoughts about what's going on. And um, I think you're really going to enjoy this. It, um, it wasn't, you know, this, it wasn't your typical, uh, you know, 45 second interview at all. Um, you know, I just, uh, I think you're going to really enjoy this, and so looking forward to presenting that to you. And then afterward, obviously, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about Vegas and PRI, and and you know some some opportunities that 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 are out there for super modifieds. If if in fact we want them, you know, if those in in charge are willing to to accept them, there's actually a lot of opportunity out there. 
supermodel fight mania is everywhere and it's strong so looking forward to that and uh just want to say thank you to uh jns paving lagroff's pub ipc indie and wiggity wayne sauces uh for being sponsors for our show and uh look forward to um having them all back in 2024 as well so uh excited for all of that so uh we're gonna keep this real short gonna take a break and come back and get you right into dave danzer because that is the highlight of the show this week and then we'll come back and have some some interesting conversation at the end of that so we'll be back with our special guest dave danzer Right after this on the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast, stay with us. Hey there, barbecue enthusiasts. Are you tired of boring sauces that leave your taste buds snoozing? Well, I've got something that'll make your mouth water and your ribs shout for joy. Wiggity Wayne Sauces. Wiggity Wayne Sauces brings you a complete line of barbecue sauces, ketchups, and rubs with flavors from mild to wild. They've got everything you need to take your grill game to the next level. Picture this. Juicy, succulent meat slathered in their mouth-watering habanero sauce, giving it just the right amount of kick. Or how about some lip-smacking, kicking hickory sauce that'll transport your taste buds straight to Flavortown? But wait, there's more. They've got apple pie moonshine sauce that'll have you thinking grandma's cooking up dessert on the grill. And for those who like it bold, their Carolina bold sauce will have you shouting yeehaw with every bite. But hold on to your spatulas, folks. They've got an exclusive offer just for you. Visit wiggitywainsauces.com today and get a mouth-watering 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. So don't sleep on this deal, folks. Head on over to wiggitywainsauces.com and let your taste buds go wild with their amazing flavors. Your grill and your belly will thank you. Welcome back to The Groove. It is time for our special guest of the week. And we have for the second time in just a few short weeks, uh, Dave Danzer with us and for the uh, second time in the three Dave Danzer interviews we've done here, this is a winter view. Dave Danzer, the 2023 Open Wheel Showdown Super Modified Champion at the Bullring. Can you believe it? What a fall you've had. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy. We definitely didn't expect out, uh, well, we didn't really expect to go out there and run as well we, as run as well as we really did, and and, I mean, it's been, I mean, we're all on cloud nine here. There's no doubt about that. So, Okay, so let's dive in a little bit. First of all, um, obviously, Las Vegas is not a hop, skip, and a jump. So I'm curious, um, how did you break up the trip out and back? Did you did you kind of do it in halvesies or thirdsies, or how did we do that? We left early Monday morning at midnight. We decided to roll out, and we got there Tuesday night around 10 o'clock. Oh, wow. There's- so we were there pretty early, but we wanted to get there, so we're there Wednesday to drop uh, the truck and trailer off at the track, get a good spot. So we'll, we actually made really good time on the way out. We had a little issue with the truck, but other than that, it was fine. So when you 
when you got there, um, what were your first impressions of things as to kind of how everything worked in terms of registration and pit selection and, you know, parking, all that? How did, how, what were your first impressions of the track and, and the procedure? Uh, the first uh, person we saw as we rolled up was Chuck Hanley at the gate. Oh. So that was, so that really wasn't too bad. Yeah. And he started telling everybody, he goes, I actually know this group. So, <laughs> So he showed us where to park, and then we, you know, we got everything situated. Then we decided to walk the track, and uh, we walked up there. We it doesn't look like it's very well banked. We walked down onto the track, like it was high banked. It had uh, it had uh, the traction compound on it, so it was like really, uh, it was really glued up. I'll put it that way. I mean, it was sticky, and I mean, I didn't think the place was going to really race as fast as it did. I mean, really? Place, oh yeah, it. It was probably one of the fastest tracks I've actually raced on. Uh, I was talking to Bentley about it. I said probably probably the only track probably compared to would probably be Toledo, Ohio. That's pretty high bank for the Supers. Interesting. Okay, so that's uh, – I wasn't expecting you to say that, but uh, it certainly looked fast on TV. But, of course, that's not always reliable. But, um, I mean, you were under 12 seconds um, – how long did it take you to to get dialed in? It seemed like you were pretty quick right off the truck. Yeah, we were pretty. I mean, we stayed just about in the same spot we were all week. We moved the wing back a little bit. Like, we moved it ahead. That's basically the only adjustments we really made all week. We were struggling with all weekend long. Anytime we run with the top wing, our uh, power steering pump acts up. But oh. you're on the throttle so long. So we were dealing with that issue the whole weekend in it. It really cost us during time trials. Uh, the power steering pump just locked up. So you basically run it with a, I mean, once you get the wheel at one spot, it just freezes right there until you go pick your throttle back up. So it kind of was acting up pretty bad. So we really didn't know what was going to happen during the race, if we are going to park it or not. But it was pretty bad. We changed the pump, and it didn't help it. So Interesting. Yeah, so we talked to a uh, a fellow driver on the Isma Tour, and he told us to change some things. And he told us to change something that we didn't think was really going to work, and we did it, and it solved the issue. <laughs> Never had a problem during the feature. It was awesome. See what you get for thinking. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That's that's always uh, try it anyway and just verify, right? Uh, oh yeah, it's a good it thing worked. you did. Yeah, um, I mean it was uh, was interesting because obviously with the fast lap you had in time trials, then you end up starting back, you know, mid pack, and um, in the very beginning, I have to, to 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 confess, I was watching the race and and thinking. Wow, he's not moving forward. I, what's what's this going to be like? And then it seemed like after the the one restart, you just it was like you were shot out of a cannon. Yeah, uh, the, so that's the first time I ever ran with a receiver, the little mini radios, and uh, we clipped it on my belt. And just before every race, I always tug on my belt. So I went down the back stretch, I tugged on it, and it fell. Oh, so the first couple laps, I'm digging in the foot box trying to get it back up, and. Luckily, that caution came out from where uh, Burgess and uh, Dalton wrecked. And then I could put it back, and then all of a sudden I noticed Davey was in third. I'm like, man, I got a lot of work to do. I think I was in ninth. Yeah. After those wrecks. So I'm like, I just, I just, on the restart, just got up top and just kept the motor wound up, and it just, it stuck like glue. The car was just awesome. I mean, that car was just 
It never wiggled. It had good drive off. It just it just would go. No matter where I wanted to put it, if I wanted to go three wide, I could go three wide, and just car was just awesome on that restart. I was gonna say it looked like the the track it, it you could easily run top bottom. I mean, it was almost a middle groove there. It was just a really uh, it looked like a really racy track with a lot of different ways to make the car work. Oh, absolutely! You could run the bottom. You can kind of get your left side down on the flat if you wanted to, which probably wasn't the preferred because there's some pretty bad rumble strips down there. But you could really sail it in there on the top. Like it, it's the first time I've ever been on a track where you could just maneuver around and you could go where someone else is. Like that place was just it raced awesome. Like Dan Connors Jr. was out there, and he goes, "That was it was just fun to watch because you could just maneuver around, go places where somebody else wasn't." And it was just really. Really, really, really fun. Now, it was it was interesting to see the variety of cars and the and the variety of wing setups and all of that. I mean, you know, that was really kind of an open competition show, more or less. Um, you know, you were probably the 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 newest and, and most modern car there, as far as uh, or one of them anyway, as far as the technology goes, but. Um, you know, there were a couple of those guys. Davey was quick, and then Brian was quick till he had the, the wreck. Um, I mean, what was your overall impression of the West Coast cars and some of their, you know, their setups and, and, and that? I thought it was uh, uh, it was kind of crazy because it seems to, like, see, uh, Oswego's kind of, like, updated, like, a lot of the arrow. Like, our cars seem like they're a little bit more streamlined, a little oh, yeah. lower. And those guys just keep adding it seems like every time they have an issue, they just keep adding more and more and more wings. Yeah. And Davey had that huge, I'm, I'm going to call it a cattle catcher on the front of that thing. <laughs> Try to get that thing to turn. And we just, our car was just basic. We didn't want to go too crazy, something we didn't really know. And they just, it seemed to me they were faster by themselves and cleaner because they had all that downforce. Yeah. It seemed when they got in traffic, they were really struggling because they didn't have all that downforce now. Kind of like a Swigo where we're lacking downforce and you get behind cars so they didn't have the clean air and seeing that's where Davey really struggled in left track that's where I could really eat him up so when I got behind him just kind of just cruise wait for left traffic and I could just close in when I really wanted to so I mean obviously we all were sort of wishing that you know we obviously were happy that to see you get the win but we were wishing that that Davey would have been able to you know to finish the race and see you guys duke it out do you feel like had Davey not had that that uh that wreck and had that situation develop with the lap car that that you know maybe you would you feel comfortable that you still would have been able to find that place to go by him and get the win yeah because when i showed him uh, i showed him the wheel getting into three on that restart and you could see all of a sudden his pace picked up yeah he really started picking it up and uh those left side guy or uh the west coast guys they run that inboard two brake calipers on the long right side tube that you could see from behind okay and i could see his were glowing like he was glowing the rear brakes after two to three laps so you could see he was overdriving it oh. and then that so when i got underneath him going down the front stretch i think he noticed me and that's when he clipped uh the lapper and tore the airbox off of it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So he clipped that airbox and tore the airbox off of it, and then he kind of got away for a lap. But we kind of, I could wheel him right in as a whip. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to burn my tires up. It's the first time I've ran that compound, so I didn't know how hard I could really run it. And then afterwards, just looking at them now, they're they're they look brand new. They're perfect. So 
Interesting. So I to run a lot faster in the future. We could have, if we wanted to run in the 11s, I think we could have easily. Wow. So, I think it would have been- so I was, I, but the question that I would, would have then is if, if we get more of our East coast guys out there, I mean, is it a real, is it a real advantage to have the arrow car against all of those other cars on that track? I'm going to say yes, unless they could figure out, cause our, our you know, like just our overall setup on these cars are just just I think just a lot better. Like they still run outboard coils, straight front axles. Our if you just watch my car throughout the weekend, my car would just rotate so much better than theirs are. Yeah, our cars are heavier, but just our overall handling just is way above theirs right now. And they just keep adding more and more wings. I think Brian's probably the only one that could probably run with all of us. Okay. In my opinion. I think Brian is. I think Brian's really on top of his game, and he's got a stout motor in that thing. That thing's that thing's an animal. So I think Brian would probably be the only one that could probably run with us. Davey might be able to if they hit the setup right, but I think Brian's probably the only one that can come out and run with us probably anywhere and run top fives. So it, it, so it, it, the more East cars, Coast cars that go, the more likely it is they're going to keep winning if unless you know something happens with the rules to try to sort of – you know, disadvantage, but again, then you you kind of lose the, the integrity. That's the only thing I hate seeing about when when people start trying too hard to equalize everybody. If you can do it simply somehow with a gear or something, but you know the the the, te- the technology just seems so much more advanced on the East Coast cars. Yeah, I mean, well, we took our uh, so we had a couple people come over and just look at this thing, and we took the we we kept hearing question after question after questions like, "Where's the shocks?" Just in the back, people looking underneath the thing, trying to find it. So we decided we got sick of saying anything. And so we just decided to pull some body panels off it so people could just look. And Bird just came right over and goes, Jesus, your shocks are worth more than my whole car. <laughs> so, uh, uh, just, just our technology is just updated. I mean, yeah. the only thing they got, which I kind of like, is they got all those cockpit adjustments. They oh. can, I mean, oh wow, uh, yeah, they can... They got freaking weight jackers in them cars. They got shock adjusters. They got all that stuff. And all oh, wow. I have is just a weight bias. Interesting. We really have. So they can, like throughout the race, I was talking to a couple of the guys. They 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 all of a sudden start messing with the left rear shock. They can tighten the car up as you go. I'm like, we kind of like got what we got. Okay. Well, it's just intriguing to see how all that matched up. And it was obvious you were, you know, the fastest or at least one of the the very fastest cars and you know but nobody watching on the stream we all obviously didn't know how hard you were driving it or whatever uh let's go back to the tires for a second so um sounded like whatever compound you were running was definitely a durable tire you said it was still like new after you know 50 laps of competition is that something that maybe we could learn from yeah uh i've never been on like uh Dan Connors and I, we really looked at our tires the entire time we were out there, and I just never seen tire just like it's good, it's good off the road go, and it's still the same tire thirty laps into the run. They're not wearing out. They got good. I mean, I mean, there's a little wear, not a ton, but just the overall grip of the tire. It seems you can maneuver around. It's kind of like what we need out here. It's something that's consistent. Like any time that we hit the track, the tire did exactly what it was supposed to do which we don't have out here because out here it's kind of like a guessing game. You don't know if you're going to get a good one or a bad one. Just these are tires we've never seen this consistent throughout the entire night. Anytime we wanted to take stagger out, we could take stagger out and it'd run here. 
the tires would cool down. They'd go right back to the sizes they were supposed to, which is something we do not have out here at all. But then come to find out is uh, the sprint car race was uh, start to finish. The leader won, but there was no pass in it, and they were on the same tire that we run at Oswego, that 2045. So I think we definitely need to look at getting away from that tire because obviously there's an issue because the sprint cars ran the same as us. Follow the leader, and they couldn't maneuver around. They couldn't really pass. Interesting. So, So, I mean, would you think that perhaps the powers that be, uh, you know, would all be open to the idea of, of taking a look at that? Because it sounds like it would be prudent. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think it's something we definitely need to bring up. Uh, it's obviously, uh, obviously, you know, that's what makes grip is our tires. Right. So if we give the guys grip and we can maneuver around and pass people, this is kind of what you want. So it's it's definitely a road that I think that we should definitely bring up because uh, it's, I mean, I got, I got another set of tires here that we got from there. So we got two sets that we almost feel like we're going to save, wrap up, and store, and then go down there and try them at Oswego here in the in the springtime and try them and see if they work out, see if they still have good grip. Yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, you know, I would think that's why I love that you went out there because I was hoping that something, you know, there's always something you can learn from someone else's deal. And, and uh, obviously sometimes what not to do, but then, you know, sometimes you can pick up things and when – when I realized that there were a number of different um, compound choices that you could run out there, I was wondering if at some point maybe, you know, you could hit on something that would, you know, would would be usable back east. And, you know, sounds like uh, now is that tire that you're speaking of, is, is that universally available? I heard it was made for uh, Madeira. Madeira Speedway gets them made from them. So when we got them, we got them through Burgess, and he gets them through Hoosier West, but they're for Madeira. Okay. But, so we could probably – I'll definitely bring it up. I'll definitely show there's another compound we can run that probably would be a little better. That'd be a little stiffer, but it'd still probably have just as good as grip. That's one thing I'd, I'd like to bring up because the last time we ran these type of tires was back in the Swigo back in 2015 was this compound. Okay. So the compound back then was pretty good. Then we switched over to these other things, and I think Hoosier hasn't really gave us a good tire sense. I'll put it that way. Because uh, 2015, you could really race around. You could really do a lot of things. So I'd like to see us go back to something like this. I think the racing would definitely help. So With those tires, would you be able to get um, two races out of, out of that? We might be the way, the way the wear is on them, I, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yeah because the way the wear pattern on them was pretty good, but we didn't do a ton of laps. But they do have another compound that's a little stiffer, but we're a little, uh, well, a little harder. So I think they would work for us. It would be nice to at least try it and see what happens, see if the racing gets a little better. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you're already making a few other little changes to the, you know, to to the cars, right? Uh, And, you know, this would be the time, it feels like. And if if that could help, maybe you could get to a point where you wouldn't, you know, you you wouldn't have to buy four tires a week. You could. Yeah, so so what's really cool is, so we put, so overall we bought six tires out there. We put four tires on Thursday for the, the hot lap. So when I went to time trial, the only the only tires we put on were two. 
Only right. put two sets of rears on, and the fronts still look brand new, and they never wore out throughout the entire night. So if you can get away with putting two tires on a night, that would save huge amount of costs. Agreed. Huge amount. Yes. So, absolutely so agree. So it would it would definitely be something I hope they look into maybe. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it, if Hoosier's already making those for Madeira, I wouldn't see any yeah. issue with just, you know, uh, increasing the, the volume of the production to accommodate, you know, what you guys need at Oswego. And, you know, again, if you could, if you could get away with two tires a week, um, you know, you're talking about a huge savings that could maybe make it feasible or help to make it more feasible for more people to make the switch even from a 350 to a big block or, you know, just to get into the class altogether. Absolutely. Especially if there's no drop off, especially if the tires stay consistent. Right. Say if you got tires that are still 50 laps or just as good as new, that's, that's kind of what you need. That's kind of like how you hear about those American racers that, you know, they're, they might not be super fast off the word go, but they're still good at their lap 50. That's yeah. kind of like what we need to shoot for. Like our tires seem like the 2045s that we're running at Swigo. Once you like take the new off of them, they're kind of like weird the rest of the night. Then next week you come back and put them on. They're good for a hot lap session where they're good for a session and then they're junk again. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird the way that the 2045 is, but I really like tires that we're on, especially out there. They're, they're a good set. I mean, they're good enough to where Mark Martin found out the compound I was running. And after the end of the race, him and Bentley wanted to come down and look at them to see how they looked. So Mark was blown away by the tires. He thought they were going to be blistered up, and he said they look flawless. They look great. He couldn't believe it. Wow. Is that what you guys were? You, I, there's a picture that's circulating. Yeah. Uh, you were all laughing, and it looked like your dad was just cracking up. I was like, well... You know, anytime Bentley opens his mouth, it's usually crack up funny, but Bentley looked like he was looking away, so I thought, well, maybe Mark Martin actually made a Bentley. Yeah, we're just talking to his friend. We're talking tires about how uh, he, he had to come down and look at tires, so we're talking tires, and my father's a diehard Ford guy, and so my father's telling him about he's got Shelby GT500 and stuff, and then he started talking about how I took my truck to the dealership out there, and I got it back, and is dirtier and hell, and then Mark was telling me about how he cleans his motorhome oh, and yeah. his truck. He uses this, he uses this compound on it. You know, I don't trust anybody touching it. So we just sat there and talked for like good twenty minutes. So to the guys, like, yeah, you guys all got to go. So, uh, <laughs> but I tried to get him to drive the car back to the pit, and he said it was going to be a long walk back. But but he was he was cool as can be. It was it was a uh, real and uh, Bentley looked at the car the entire time. Looked like he had the itch to get back in. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Well, they asked him about that on the broadcast, and he said, "Well, I thought I could actually still do good." You know, um, it's like it's it's just funny because uh, you you know even watching him w- with the deuce there at Classic, it, it felt like if he had his way, he probably w- went faster. But uh, oh, yeah. you know, he's still got the need for speed. He just uh, he two wheels it now. But <laughs> um, yep, and then he asked. Me. And yes, Mark. Mark has no interest in getting in a race car. None. No. And then you got Bentley. He just still wants to. You can see how Bentley does, but Mark has absolutely zero interest in getting back in the race car. Well, and sometimes I think drivers like Mark yeah. say that because um, it it's like they're you know it's easier to, to deny it yeah. than to do it. Right? They don't want yep. to get in and do poorly, yep. so you just say no. I don't want to do it anymore. 
you know. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it. It um, it looked like it was just a, a stellar weekend for you. What was your overall impression of the event? Um, you know, from the inside, because I mean, everything I know about it, it looks like it was uh, a ten out of ten for Davy Junior. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a great event. I mean, uh, everything was ran really, really, really well. We'll put it that way. Uh, getting on and off the track was kind of a little tricky. You kind of had to, there's some rules out there. Like you can't roll through the pit area. You had to stop and get a four-wheeler and push you back. You oh. couldn't drive off the press. So that so that was like the only issue we kind of like had because you had to stop at the spot and bring a four-wheeler. And we left our four-wheeler at home. So it was kind of a little tricky to get around. But other than that, it was, it was a great weekend. I mean, the West Coast guys were really nice to us. I mean, Jim Burgess went above and beyond. I mean, anything we asked, he gave us, and it was awesome. I hate to see him get tore up. But yeah, that was uh, that was a beautiful car. Um, oh yeah, freaking! Come find out, he owns a brewery, so he gave us some beer, and now I think he's shipping us some beer out here. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we made friends with everybody, and we can't wait to go back next year. Hopefully, uh, sounds like there's going to be a lot of guys from out east going back. So. That'd be awesome. Well, I hope that's true because uh, you know, there again, I think you know you you need you need new eyeballs to to grow something, and and uh, obviously sponsors want the most eyeballs. So um, you know, it's it's doing this extracurricular stuff like this show that that uh, gets you those eyeballs um and and get you know get you opportunities to perform in front of new people and you never know it only takes one person in that crowd to take an interest oh yeah i mean this thing was unloaded and we had people's eyes ball i mean when justin grant just walks by and just he's like what in the hell is this thing <laughs> and actually, like you want to get in it go ahead and he's out in there and hand him the steering wheel and i got a little eight and a half inch wide steering wheel compared to his sprint car it's a little smaller than yours and he was just a kid in a candy store in these things, and they all wanted to freaking take a trip in it. The Swansons were in it. Oh, I mean, wow. they, I mean, I mean, they all loved it. They all said freaking it's totally different than, than what they've seen for the West Coast guys. So hopefully as we goes, you know, it kind of got put back on the map. We'll put it that way. I mean, they had got a lot of, a lot of attention especially over the weekend. So a lot of people are definitely considering a Swigo now. That's pretty cool. Wow. Well, good. That's, uh, that's what we need. And, and it would be nice to, you know, to, to see some of the, those West coast guys be able to come East and do something again. And, and, uh, you know, again, it just takes everybody kind of agreeing, uh, on a set of rules that make sense. And, you know, it's hard now because the cars are so different, um, you know, even much more so than they would have been probably, you know, in the earlier 2000s when, you know, when the last, uh, like, East-West deal went. But, um, you know, this show uh, at Vegas just looks like it has the the potential to be everything the Copper Classic always was and more and um looked like the crowd was pretty strong for the first time um out there yeah the crowd was decent i thought the fans were i mean it was a little cold i mean friday there was a friday there was a 45 mile per hour breeze i'm gonna say oh blowing all around so the crowd was a little thin friday but saturday was nice saturday had a little breeze but nothing too bad but it got down to about 40 degrees friday uh saturday night and everybody stuck around wow a lot of people in the camping area all the way around the track i mean it was it was a really good turnout to be the inaugural and i think speed sport did really well 
I know a lot of people that bought into that. So. Oh yeah. Oswego had a good showing in that. I mean, uh, I got dang Hope opened up. Hope opened up a lighthouse for a lot of people. They came in and watched it. So. Oh, cool. Yep. Well, so, that's uh, that's what we need. We we need that kind of uh, support, and uh, you know that's great, man. And and it really, you know, uh, it had to be gratifying to be able to go out there and and you know and get the win. And um, you know, it, it obviously probably made the trip back, uh, the long trip back, a little bit sweeter. And and uh, man, you're on a roll here going into 2024, there, Dave. Yeah, I mean, right now everything's looking, everything's looking really well right now. So uh, hopefully we can keep it going. We'll be on like we got, you know, the rules first. We go, we gotta, we kind of know what the, we're gonna do for the rule book now, and we'll get it ready, get a new body on it, strip it down, get the motor done, get the new motor in it, and uh, we'll see what next year brings. We're gonna work on a new top wing for next year. Okay. For smaller tracks, and uh, we'll keep this other one and. Hopefully, hopefully we hit the ground running hard next year. Usually it takes us a couple months to get rolling here. So hopefully next year we hit it pretty hard and we'll see what happens. Well, um, love to love to know the results of uh, the tire test there if you do it too. Because, I mean, I, I just think anything that can be done at this point to improve the racing and save costs. I know there's people who just hate hearing that. It's almost like they just want to keep spending gobs of money, but it, you know, it's it be it would be nice if we could if we could peel some cost away without sacrificing quality of competition and if those tires can do it, it seems like it's worth a look. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you can cut costs, especially for, I mean, we need people in this division. That's one thing is right yes. now we don't have much of a feeder class. A feeder class right now is a 350 class, and I don't see them guys wanting to move up to a super. Well, I, mean, just, I mean, it's too big a difference in cost. I mean, that's I mean, just the bottom line. It, I know. So you know, we got to do something. I agree. We got to do something, especially the motor program. I mean, right now these motors are starting to somewhat get out of hand, we'll put it that way. Yeah. I know the crate, but the thing is with the crate engine, then you're talking about changing everything over, and that's that's hard to say, especially with what we built and that, that brand new one that we have. So see, see, I just, there again, I feel like, I, you know, for me, it's like, well, you know, put it in the rule book and let, if somebody wants to try it, let them try it. You know, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't hurt anything, and maybe we learn something for you know for the future because, like you said, the costs are not going down on on these big block engines, and you know you've got all new technology coming, um, even in the motor side of things. And I mean, it probably is not going to be in the next you know few years or whatever, but still, you know, I just feel like anything that you can—that's the one place where. With NESS, it's like with the crate motor. I mean, what does it hurt if somebody wants to try one and you can you can um, you can you can make it work um, and make it competitive? Well, let them run it. I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree. Just 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 make it so where you know. I would say get rid of the gear rule altogether. They want to crank that thing up. They want to run them. There you go. That's if 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 uh, if that's the route you want to take. Then that's the route you want to take, but yeah. I just don't like how we got to gear the other motors down in order to make them competitive. But if that's the route you want to take, you can go take that route. Well, so. I mean, again, you're kind of 
you know, at six of one, half a dozen of the other. I feel like, you know, you if if the goal is we need new people in the class, you know, your your market is what your market is, and yep. if the market, you know, if, if so, it, it comes down there again. It comes down to cost, and that's it. it we had. We we've had a nice progression now. Obviously, the cart track's not a weekly track anymore, but it, you know, carts to SBS seem not to be a problem. And for a good while, SBS to Big Block wasn't a problem. But then you know, all of a sudden, that kind of stopped. And then you had um, the 350 class come in. You say, well, there's you know, there would be a good feeder class, and there's the middle ground. And you get to the middle ground, but you can't get the rest of the way. So yeah. um, it's hard to do that. And you got guys like Sokolik, for example, who would love to do that. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But it, it certainly the tire uh, conversation, it seems like maybe you discovered something out there that could help everybody. And Lord knows that's we need everybody thinking big picture at this point, because, you know, I, I looking around. I mean, there is real interest in, you know, bringing the Supers or the 350s either or back to Florida again, and it's legitimate interest. And then, there, you know, you've got NESS has Hickory on its schedule for March, TBD, yeah. but, like, the class, that, that the group that doesn't want to travel is apparently thinking of traveling to Hickory, North Carolina, and then you've got to, which I mean, good for them. I hope they do. I'd love to see them here. But then you, then you got the, um, you got the uh, North South shootout folks. Apparently, it sounds like somebody's talking about adding supers back. It's like if we could find a way to make some of that stuff happen. It's you know, it's like there's super modified mania everywhere. It's just trying to get all of the groups and all of the rules and all of the situations to to get put into line to where, you know, people can go and make these shows quality shows like the one we saw in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime, anytime there's a race, I mean, I just hope there's, like, good support. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things. That's one thing that was nice about us going out there. It shows that, you know, the weight issue, it doesn't really matter now. Right. Now it's kind of like, oh, now, you know, you've got something now. It's Hopefully there's more interest now next year. Hopefully there's a good, I think there's going to be a huge turnout for Vegas next year. I hope so. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a big turnout. And now hopefully, you know, well, I told Brian, I mean, I'd love to get, I mean, I'd love to have him come out here. It'd yeah. be cool to throw together a race out here to bring the West Coast guys here like they did back in, what was it, 89? They did the, they did like the, the thing in Oswego. Yeah. Do something like that one weekend throw. Yeah. You know what? Open comp. Open super show. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think it, it those sorts of things, because we've got to be able to, you know, that that gets more eyeballs on the class, and then you get, you know, these companies, you, everybody wants more money into the class. Well, you know, you got to have more bigger shows like that and more, you know, more uh, eyeballs in, in more places. The bigger the audience and the more the interest is there. And I feel like, I mean, I went to PRI and there was a 350 super there it was a shame there was no real identification or signage around it to tell people what it was but it was literally right next to registration it was prime time and boy people were just gawking at that thing it was oh, yeah. it, it was really um, amazing to watch i guess it was a midwest 350 but it was a beautiful car and um and and everybody was just like 
they, as soon as they'd see it, they're snapping pictures. They're going, what is this? You know, and, uh, and, you know, I think, I think that the, the time is right to start doing some of this stuff. But, you know, again, sometimes we, you know, we let rules or let our own sort of, you know, corner of the world get in the way. I don't think it's that there's not even, you know, money available, but it's just, you know, it's just uh, trying to make sure that you're doing the best with cost control. And then obviously, um, you know, trying to, to, to work with each other. And that was, I think Vegas opened some eyes and that that's good if it did, because, um, you know, I'd love to see more of those shows. You can't obviously travel every week unless you have billions into the thing. But um, surely, you know, to have one or two of those shows, maybe something in Florida and, and you know, and to have Vegas uh, at the end of the year like that is an option for the folks that want to do some uh, adventure traveling. Um, you know, it, it definitely helps the class uh, get introduced to a new market. And then who knows where that goes from there. Oh, absolutely, especially when uh, Supers will only race for five grand in Vegas. And uh, now I think next year, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of interest there now, so I wouldn't be surprised if that may be ten grand to win next year, especially, especially if they make the start and pay, say, two I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Let's, so, uh, if I, they, so if that happens, I think you're going to see a huge turnout. Just it just You just got to get people there. I mean, yeah. that's one of the biggest things is now you had me, like, you had me go out there and, now, hopefully, those guys, like a lot of them, any time I talked to them, said they'd love to come out here. They'd well, love to come out here and run, but they said the rules. So yeah, well, hopefully, we can just maybe start like a little. problem is you don't really want to start in our series, but start something up to where it's, yeah, you know what? Here's open. Here's, say, three open races for the year, and you can do just about anything you really want. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it would be interesting to try something anyway and see what. Um, you know, the, the, the classic was always the race everybody wanted to come and test a medal against. And it's lost that now because yeah. obviously, you know, the cars are so completely different and, um, I'm not suggesting that, you know, we, we go wholesale off the chain or anything, but, you know, like you said, if there's a way that you can come up with something that's unique at some point to, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, it definitely was awesome and it was great to, to see you have the success that you had and, and you really, um, you know, you did a swiggo and, and the East coast super is proud, my friend. And, uh, I know you can't do it alone. So thanks whoever you want. Uh, well, first I got to take my father for letting us take the car out there. I mean, that was one of the biggest things I, yeah, I thought he was going to say no, but he was on board <laughs> from the start and, uh, uh, and he got his first, uh, wing ring, uh, there wing. You go. So that was a long time coming. And, uh, I think my mom, I think the girlfriend Paige, she's been through quite a bit with us, especially with the racing, and she enjoyed her trip out there. She loved it. Uh, I think all the guys that went, Chris, Steve, uh, Brandon, Wiggs, he went out there. Uh, uh, who else I got to thank? I got to thank uh, Chris Burgess, photography. He was a big supporter of it. Martin PC, Scott Stefanko Investing. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh I think my brother-in-law, he wasn't out there, but he helped us helped us quite a bit. And just Joey Hawksby for helping us get some parts. And and just got to thank everybody who had a hand in that, helping us get out there. It was pretty cool. And I got to thank Jim Burgess especially. I got to thank everybody at SMRA. They are pretty cool to work with, and we're looking forward to working with them again next year. 
Well, it uh, should be a lot of fun to see how much support happens next year. And uh, Wing Ring, I, I think you might have just given Danny Sewell and the Isma folks an idea for what to give the champion next year. A ring oh, yeah. with wings on it. There's, yeah, I think that's uh, there. There you go. Uh, and uh, and 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 Dave Danzer says you're welcome for the cool idea. Uh, so uh, great to have you on as always, Dave. And uh, congratulations on you know that that uh, run out there. That must have been a whole lot of fun to go do something new like that and have it go so well because obviously. Although maybe you and a lot of people imagine that there was a possibility that could happen, you never really know till you show up and do it. Oh yeah, I mean uh, it was definitely a dream come true. We'll put it that way. Just getting out there is one of the things that we wanted to do, and yeah. uh, to have it go that well was just was really icing on the cake there. So we, we showed everybody that the East Coast can run with the West Coast, and. Uh, there's some better East Coast cars that can go out there that can really put a whooping on them if they really wanted to. So uh, I think uh, I think Otto's going next year. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I think he can bring just about any car he wants out there. Yeah. I mean, he can bring well, he sold one of them, so he's only got two or three left. But uh, still, some know, good choices. Yeah, still some good choices for sure. Right. And I think you'll probably see a few folks, right? Uh, besides, oh Iron, yeah, you know. oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. They'll go out there and they'll they'll love being on it decent tire and a track that is smooth as glass well so, uh, and and for once you had everybody connected with the oswego speedway cheering for you so uh i know it's, your biggest... it's very rare, very rare. <laughs> it was uh, so, you know it's sort of it's fun to watch uh, that kind of thing i i'll i still remember uh when uh joe gozik went to indy and and i mean you're sitting watching qualifying and you just, it's like you had this sense that everybody in super modified racing was watching it right along with you, right? It was the coolest thing. And uh, when he got in, it was like half the country cheered. And, and uh, you know, same deal with you winning out there. Uh, you had the entire uh, East Coast and Midwest uh, going nuts at the same time. So um, congratulations and uh, definitely look forward to seeing uh, how you can take this into 2024 and uh use the momentum to to get off to a good start and uh we'll catch up to you again as the season gets closer perfect tom thanks again for having me on hopefully Abs we can do it again a couple more times next year so for sure anytime uh, you got an announcement or anything you want just uh let me know we'll get you on you can talk perfect. about it new sponsors all of that because that's what we love to do so uh merry christmas happy new year to you and your family and then uh, we'll talk to you again in 24 Thank you. You as well. Thanks again. I appreciate it. That is Dave Danzer back with some closing thoughts right after this. Experience the age-old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, Oswego's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. Stop in for an ice cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it, they've got it. Served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right, players from across the world. Where else in Oswego can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill. 
LaGroff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on LaGroff's.com. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here in Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter. If you've got something that you need designed or fabricated, let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to the show, our final segment for this episode and uh, I said that we would talk about PRI a little bit more, um, and I want to do that within the context of the discussion that we just had with Dave Danzer, because as you heard there, I think a couple things we can take from that. First of all, um, obviously, Dave did really, really well out west, went out one, and, and but I think if we look at what happened there first of all let's let's focus on the fact that when dave decided to go out there and obviously there are big differences right between the east coast supers and the west coast supers um and and very much so you know in 2023 i think there was a time about 30 years ago or so where those of us on the East Coast looked at what was going on out on the West Coast and thought those supers were way lighter, way, um, you know, they had the small block motors, they had huge wings. Um, I think that we kind of looked at those cars as being almost more exotic than the ones we had, right? They were almost more radical than the ones we had. And, and now... I feel like that's all changed. I think it's the opposite, obviously. I think the East Coast cars are far more exotic and radical and aero-dependent than the cars on the West Coast. Because the West Coast Supers didn't really keep up with the trends. But let's focus on the fact that when Dave decided that he was going out there, and I think this is... To me, I think this was the example of how all of supermodified racing should be working together. Because when when Dave decided to, to go do that, there were folks like Jim Burgess that stepped up. And instead of trying to, to somehow change the, the 52 car to somehow be more equal, quote-unquote, or whatever, the, Jim... Jim wasn't upset that you know these guys the none of nobody on the west coast seemed to be threatened by the difference in the cars. Jim Burgess not only welcomed Dave and encouraged him to come out but he even 
gave him some advice on what tire compound to run and went even farther than that. And, and, and he actually went and got the tires for him, picked up the tires. So, you know, you look at, at how that whole thing happened in the fact that it was an open competition show. And you say, well, gosh, I mean, that was, you know, that was pretty cool. And, and I think as a fan, I know I really enjoyed seeing the variety of, of car designs and looks and, and, you know, how far people would go with, with wings. I'm not a big fan of wings, but uh, at this point, I'd rather see them go away except for the traditional top wing that we run, you know, for Isma. But um, I think they look kind of silly with wings all over the car, but but I, but I also, in saying that, I also enjoyed seeing the lengths that people would go, right, to, to make, make their cars turn and handle and whatever. Um, I think the lesson, though, was that it is possible to actually, in some ways, compromise for the sake of the show. And that super modified show did more, I would argue, on a national level to open people's eyes to super modified racing than anything else that went on all year. And, and I think we need to take the cars to places like that. Now, Vegas is not exactly devoid of any past super modified exposure. They've raced there before. But we need events like that to help us to, to take the super modified division and make it relevant again nationally. I went to the PRI show, as I mentioned, and those of you who follow Steering Wheel Nation, follow our brand site, know that we put an article out on Thursday that basically recapped day one of the PRI show in photos and a little bit of a story. And the photo I used as the main photo to go with the story was the was a photo of a 350 Super Modified. When I walked into the show, I walked in the entrance. I got off the shuttle bus that I was riding to the show, walked into the entrance through the entrance, and when I got to registration, and bear in mind, everybody in the show, everybody that came to the show had to go to registration. I literally looked to my right and almost fell over the car. It was right there. That super modified had the absolute best seat in the entire show. It was center stage. Now, I, I had to look at it twice. Is this a super modified? <laughs> like, what else could it be? The problem is, there wasn't a single shred of identification anywhere near it. There was no name. There was no, you know, nothing, no kind of stand-up signage or, or, or flyers or cards or anything that would have allowed everybody who looked at this and I can assure you because 
the media center was also right in that area, and I had the chance. I I I stood and watched for a little while on Thursday. Everybody was taking pictures of it, and I heard people asking each other, "What is this? This is cool. What is this?" We missed a golden opportunity there. But my point was, there was a super modified at the PRI show. I don't know why it was there or how it got there. I don't know the genesis of, I mean, apparently it's a Midwest car. And I think from what I saw, uh, it maybe the, the online when, you know, a response to my post, it was a Midwest champion. But, um, Again, there was nothing to tell anybody anything about the car, the class, where it was from, sponsors, or anything. So that that was a, a unfortunately that was a great example of a huge opportunity lost. Um, that show is the show if you're trying to, you know, to 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 show off what what you've got in terms of, you know. Series, track car, you know, whatever, parts, um, you know, tools, all of it. That's that's the place. And so, I, you know, I hated that a big opportunity was missed. But, it, but my point is there was a super modified at PRI and it could happen again. There should be, in my opinion, um whether it's sort of a joint venture between, you know, say Oswego and Isma MSS, um, you know, whatever it takes, but there should be a super modified booth at PRI with a car. And, um, you know, the, the, this, and somebody should be walking around trying to, you know, trying to build interest in super modified racing as a national relevant short track class. Now, I don't mean we should be trying to get tracks all over the country to race them, though that would be great. That's the way it used to be. It could be that way again. There is work we'd have to do to standardize what a super modified is. You'd have to have a common set of rules, something that, you know, multiple car, uh, multiple car builders could build. So, you know, you, you, you kind of, um, kind of catalog the car, so to speak, um, at least catalog a basic, you know, car or whatever. I mean, Joey Hawksby can't build, you know, 40 or 50 supers a year or whatever, but, um, but here's, here's my point is, is again, you know, we, we had a big show in Vegas and then here's a super modified at PRI. It's unfortunate that we missed the opportunity to, to, to promote with that car, but it was there. Now there's another, there are a couple of other things that are, that are out there. For example, we talked about the 350 super modified opportunity to, to race in Florida during speed weeks. I have more enough detail on that. Now that oddly enough, um, I know the promoter of that race and when he he's uh he was scoring our our Batesville go-kart event big the big national indoor kart championship that that we I work every year at Batesville over Thanksgiving weekend and I now know how serious 
this opportunity was and is. It stands for 2025. Um, and so the opportunities out there, and I think the 350s would be great. I, I mean, they said the track was too small is what I heard. It's That's just, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I just can't. That's silly. You run on a third mile every week. It's star. The big block supers, when they run, they run nine, ten, nine or ten second laps. It, the track's not too small. Auburn Dare would be a great 350 race. And it would be small enough that I think it would be pretty easy to put the, the uh, smack cars and the crate cars together with, again, with a little bit of compromise for the sake of the show. And I think you could really do some serious good for creating new interest in super modified racing. Because it doesn't matter if you're sending big blocks or small blocks. People in Florida don't know the difference and wouldn't care. As long as they're exciting, which super modifieds are, and the 350s would be great. You get you get about 16 of those 350s on that quarter mile, and that would be an amazing couple, three days of racing. And I can tell you, the interest is genuine, and the opportunity is rock solid. Now... We also have Rollo Baum, who posted at one point just recently about something about the North-South shootout. And maybe somebody at the North-South shootout is talking about super modifieds again. Supers have raced in the North-South shootout when it was at Concord. That was the last few times that ISMA came down. We had a couple of those were East-West shows. And then the last one was just mostly East, I think. And there were only about a dozen cars because most of the West Coast cars, I think they tried to change the rules or something. And here again, we get caught up in, you know, fighting over rules instead of just understanding what we're doing here is building interest in super modified racing. But we ended up with about 12 or 13 cars. And, you know, <laughs> I remember distinctly that year, um, you know, the racing wasn't really great because you only had 12 cars, but... The exciting thing was everybody was pointing out the fact that, the, that with the wings and I guess the vapor trail or whatever, the wind that was created, they were actually um, pulling some of the banners down on the backstretch um, off the the, bill, the billboard, uh, you know, signs there. So, um, you know, that's, again, I don't know how serious that is, but somebody's talking about it. And then here's the most surprising one. So on November 27th, the new England super modified series had a post on their Facebook page that detailed the pro all-stars series schedule for 2024 and the past modified and the new England super modified schedules were listed in that too. Now, pass every year. Now, they used to have a pass South series that was based down here, but now they don't. But they still do come down once a year to Hickory Motor Speedway here in North Carolina for the Easter Bunny race, which happens within a week or two of Easter. This year, Easter must be earlier because it this next year for 24, because um, March 15th and 16th is the listed date for the late model race. Well, how shocked do you think I was to find out that 
what else was tentatively on the schedule? The New England Super Modified Series. The series that was built because there were 10 or 11 teams that didn't want to travel outside of New England. Apparently, somebody at least has an idea that maybe they would lift that travel ban and go all the way down here to Hickory to race in the middle of March. Now, I would love to see that. But on the other hand, do I put a lot of stock in it? No, not right now, because that it said TBD next to the super part. So I'm not, again, I don't know how serious this is. But what I've just rattled off, basically, is if you count the fact that there is going to be another race, apparently another showdown next year, although now I have some questions if it's going to be at Vegas because Davey Hamilton Jr. or somebody from the showdown team put a post out. It was quizzing people on where they would like to see another showdown race held. And so I don't know. I don't know if there were issues with Vegas or what the deal was. And I've tried to reach out to Davey Jr., but his schedule's full right now, so I haven't gotten any word, but um, hopefully at some point down the road, be able to talk to him again, but um, you know, there's that opportunity, hopefully again next year, and you look at Florida, which could happen for 25, and I will tell you that I, I'm working with the promoter now on this open wheel show, or this uh, winter showdown at, at Auburndale, And here's the deal with that show. It's a big show. Legends, Bandoleros, TQ Midgets, USAC Eastern Midgets, 602 Mods, Tour Type Mods, SK Mods, National Compact Series, and the the local Crown Vic Series from down there, all on the schedule. Practice Tuesday, racing Wednesday through Saturday. We will be done before the modified start racing Smyrna, which is why uh, that's why they picked them up. They're working with Smyrna on this. They've asked me to help with some of the promotion and do some announcing and some content and things. So we're going to do that. And I can tell you that interest in this show is extremely high. It would be a, a wonderful showcase for the 350 Supers. And no, the track is not too small. If modifieds and late models can run on a quarter mile, I mean, come on. (laughs) 350s would be perfect. I mean, it would be tight for the big blocks as far as, you know, but 350s, I think that it would be perfect for them. And again, we need new eyeballs. We don't, we need to get, be able to get out and go different places once in a while and race these things and show people what they are. Just like we need to display at big shows like PRI. There's some golden opportunities out there. Now, again, I don't know how serious either the Ness deal at Hickory or the the um, North-South shootout deal are. The shootout, by the way, uh, Concord closed a while back, for those who don't know. It's now a co-part junkyard basically for cars which is really 
it's awful. I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach to, to see what happened to that track. That facility had a quarter mile, and it had the big half mile with the dog leg, and the dog leg made the half mile a little less tenuous because it made it faster, and so you could junk a car real easy with a bad wreck there. Michael Barnes found that out in her. He stuck a throttle one of the years. And um, basically was laying down the rest of the week. You know, I mean, he was lucky he didn't get hurt. Seriously. Um, but the so that track, it was very fast. But I would argue that track was almost too fast. You know, I mean, you're, 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 you know, obviously you weren't, it, it wasn't quite as big as Oswego, but again, the Supers have run, they run Oswego every week. They run, um, you know, they've run IRP, which is a three quarter mile. So, you you know, you can, you can do that. Third miles, obviously, as you're Dave Danzer say, you know, third mile is really quick that they're the, uh, the, sorry, the three eighths mile is really quick at Vegas, the bullring. So I think a quarter mile would be a golden opportunity to showcase the cars and, and you know, keep them tight and, and you know, some good passing and um, and side-by-side racing. But, um, and, the, and it's going to be streamed on Speed Sports. So it's basically the same package, streamable package that uh, Vegas had or, you know, all, all, a lot of the other big races have. So, um the North-South Shootout's now at Caraway Speedway is where I was going with that, which is in Asheboro, North Carolina. It's not a booming metropolis, but um, but the facility is actually, it's an older track as most of them are here, but it um, the, the owner slash promoter has done a ton of work to it over the last couple of years. And in fact, he's putting in a brand new grandstand right now. So that race features the tour, the Southern Modifieds. It's not a NASCAR tour race, but, you know, it's it's the tour type Modifieds. Um, and they run a bunch of other stuff, too. So it's, again, it's a multi-division big event that happens over the course of, uh, I think, three days. And so um, the Super Modifieds, if, if, if there was an opportunity... And it could be worked out for either big blocks or, you know, 350s. I just, th- I feel like the 350s would be a great traveling class. And I think from a dollar standpoint, it'd be easier for everybody to have, you know, and, and again, they're not that much slower. You know, it's it's not like going from a, you know, a cup car with street stock at all. We just need to get the cars out more. And I've, I've been very surprised to realize that there are some great opportunities out there. And there's interest in putting on shows. But I feel like we, I feel like we trip over ourselves because you know, everybody, all I hear is we need more money. We need more money. We need more sponsors. We need bigger purses. We need more money. But before you even get to what money is willing to be paid, you have to get through. I feel like you always have to get through 
other logistical obstacles that get thrown up. You know, with the big blocks, it's wing configurations and, you know, motor crate versus build or what it, you, you got, you got things like that. And then with the three fifties, again, it's built versus crate. And I think what we saw to tie this all back to where we started, I think what we saw in Vegas is that it is possible to do some real good for the super modified class in general and show yourselves off and basically get over worrying about who wins. Like if you've got, you've got two different kinds of cars, fine, bring them together. Let's go. I mean, it's if you got a built motor and a crate motor, use gear or use weight. Everybody get over themselves long enough because we don't get enough new blood. There's not enough new blood coming, especially into the big blocks. We had a very good year in Oswego with John Nicotra series, but I mean, honestly, it did it didn't bring anybody new into the class. It just brought a few new people to Oswego to run tailwing shows that might wouldn't have probably done that had the series not existed. And it added, you know, a handful of cars to the classic lineup. But we we need there's more that needs to happen. And and you've got to stretch the boundaries a little bit. And I think what we learned from Vegas is that there is a way to do that. I'm not saying we run open comp shows everywhere, but find ways to come together and and make things so that it's reasonably fair. Um, and and then you if you get. If you took, for example, the classic, the high miler, can't use the star classic, it's only Ness. So the classic, the high miler, let's say that you had, you, you incorporated Vegas into this and maybe the, maybe you had the north-south shootout. So you got four shows, call it the fab four. There's your, there's your four super modified majors. Okay. And you got, you got a sponsor a huge sponsor. So you basically you take John Nicotra's business model for his series, but you apply it to those four races. So maybe now you have John's series still, but then you have another series for these four races because it's more national in scope. You know, you got you got um, east, you, you got north, south, um, midwest, and west. So you got four races. Maybe you take those four races, make a, a series out of those four and and go after a bigger sponsor. And, and you know, it, again, same thing that John was doing. But you get supers together and and, you know, but keep it. You, you don't have to have 10 of these. You just keep it manageable so you can do those. I mean, obviously, the classic. The, the Oswego and Star, uh, Sandusky Classics are, are in season, but then you have, you know, maybe you do North Carolina either, you know, I mean, North-South Shootout in, in Vegas or the, the Open Wheel Showdown, wherever it is, 
would be postseason. And I think we actually could do a similar thing for the 350 class and create, again, you know, say three or four shows for them that that would be a similar deal. You got Florida. Um, you know, you got the Oswego Classic. The the I think Star does run the 350s as part of their Classic, so maybe that's part of it. You know, I mean, and again, you can tinker, maybe add one more race, maybe you throw Evans Bills in there or whatever, but um but I mean you 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 got and and you start make now you're you're starting to build national relevance. So that's what what I what I think about, and that's what I've kind of learned here is that there is interest, there are dollars out there, they're they're being spent elsewhere, but they could be spent on supers. You just have to provide the value, and then you have to have the right tracks, the right promotion, the right situation but we have some opportunity here and i'm closing this show by asking the question do we have willing participants from those who own cars and operate tracks and series and they're the kind of the power base who make the decisions I always hear, if you don't own a car, you shouldn't have a say. Well, sometimes the ones who do own cars are too focused on their own preferences to to think about the big picture. And what I've learned is that the big picture is a lot brighter and a lot more potentially amazing than what I would have thought before, you know, say, two months ago. So we'll see where all this goes, but... Um, you know, I think Dave Danzer, if you, that conversation shows us a lot of things and, and the observations of the people I've spoken with in the last 30 days or so, 45 days, same deal. A lot out there. Do we want it? Just have to take advantage of it. And it's going to require everybody and, and, and to be involved. And it's going to also require a little bit of compromise. Can we do it? That's it for this edition of the Inside Groove. Thanks again to our sponsors and thanks to all of you for listening. Please share the show and for more great content, subscribe to Steering Wheel Nation. It is free. And we'll see you next week for episode 139. We have another great guest lined up. For the show, we'll see you next week on the Inside Groove. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. Have a safe and blessed weekend. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.